Hello and welcome to Spilling the Free, episode 16. It's me, Jim, as always, and my good mate, Cook. How are we? 16, grey age. <laughs> Jesus, not a good way to start. <laughs> <laughs> 16 years young. 16 apps young, shall we say. Yeah. Spilling the Three, but... Yeah, a bit, bit of uh, juicy news this week, thanks to a certain beard who's pulling up some trees in China, Jim. Yeah, I mean, we spoke about him quite a lot already um, during our short tenure as a, as a new podcast. But James Harden is always good value for off-season drama and off-season stories, as are the Philadelphia 76ers. I mean, they must be the go-with team of the past decade in terms of off-season stories and what happens so a perfect combination, um, Cook. We're just going to get right into it. James Harden um, in his tour in China um, gets on the mic and says that Daryl Morey is a liar and I'll never be a part of an organisation that he's a part of. So strong, he said. Let me say that twice. Let me run it back just in case you didn't catch it. You didn't want to record this. Daryl Morey is a liar and I won't play for a part of an organisation that he's a part of reactions <laughs> don't hold back james whatever you do don't don't hold back mate don't beat around the bush but uh yeah it's hard to go back from this there's no way back officially now for him i would say at that organization and i think it's a mixture between philly maybe not pricing him out of a move but maybe asking for a bit too much and him at the same time not being as flexible where he wants to end up so yeah as the memes would um as sorry as the means would suggest Jim the fat suit is getting ready to come out. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, a, it's an epic standoff between um, Maury Daryl Maury, who's already came out and said that he's okay being uncomfortable and he he can wait it out, but he's up against the beast there in James Harden. He's up against a guy who is a seasoned vet and um, has been funnily named by. The Bounce newsletter and uh, people in no dunks, the, the greatest trade requester of all time, which is hard to disagree with. And when you look at his his uh, resume on that, it's amazing. So when he um, when he's leaving Houston in 2020, he refused to show up to training camp. Um, we've seen partying in Atlanta and in Vegas. Still very much part of the pandemic, by the way. So that was all going on. Um, someone asked him how being there helped him in the off season, and he just said it was his personal trainers. Um, them, them strip clubs they, they get a man sweaty uh, continued in Houston he allegedly wore the fat suit the infamous fat suit and I mean that is just that is just peak NBA meme drama um, when he was in Brooklyn um, we seen some incredibly baffling players towards the end of that tenure there. he had the one the famous clip of I can't remember what team he was against but he kind of just let a ball go right past him and someone just pitched up and dunked he basically played within himself the last 10, just down tools. He's, he's like exaggerating it, should we say. And then now he's um, in Philadelphia and he's done one of these biggest stunts. Um, and I mean, he's got, the fact there's so many level, level layers to it as well. Saying it in China, um, a country that Daramori's hated in. I don't know if you know about this, Cook, but when he was um, part of the Houston Rockets organization, the Rockets were like the, the biggest team in China. I'm not sure how that's came about, probably due to Yao Ming playing there for so many years. But um and then there was like a civil war going on. I'm not a political geopolitical 
expert, but we know there's beef between China and Hong Kong. And Darren Moy tweeted publicly in support of Hong Kong whilst he was at the Rockets. And it almost it almost got the NBA taken off Chinese television. Like, it was a huge story at the time. Um, and, the, the, yeah, they hate Moy for it. So, the fact that James Harden's done this in China, I mean, just knowing what he's done in the past, he's got to be on purpose. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So, going back to what you originally said there, Cook, is the no way back. He's, he can't easy. Can't see him playing for the 76ers again next season. No, and if, I, I definitely can't. And I think that the the 76ers, we said it in our pod, maybe I think it was four or five eps ago, that they had so many problems. And this was one of them getting him back at, either getting him back at a reasonable deal or getting him away that you've got some nice pieces to play with or got someone in return. But yeah, it's just slowly but surely the, the crumbling, the 76ers. And I do feel for him and I think that getting rid of him is a necessity. He needs to leave. It's so toxic at the minute there and it's hard to tell everyone else, you know what, get your head down, saying to your maxis, your MBs, come on, get your head down, don't worry about him, don't worry about him, don't matter, I'm not a liar, I'm not a liar, don't worry about it. It's hard and you, I don't think you can really, with a clear conscience, pay someone who's calling you a liar in, in a country where you're despised and obviously that's going to affect his pocket, so... I don't think there's any way back. I think he needs to be more flexible about where he's going, though, because I think in his head he thinks he's James Harden of five years ago, when in reality he's a new version of James Harden, one who can still help a team win a championship, but just not in his prime anymore, and that's all right. But you've just got to look in the mirror and and come to terms with it, I think, personally. Yeah, and that, that's a very good point. I think that's part of the problem, isn't it? I think Harden, um, if you were to believe all the noise, he's... Obviously, when he signed the extension with the 76ers, he took a 40 million pay cut so they could bring in PJ Tucker and Daniel House Jr. And then you kind of putting two and two together and making four, you're kind of thinking that Maury said, right, if you do this to help us now, then uh, when you're eligible for your uh, next contract, we'll pay you quite big. And he's not been offered that big contract. I mean, he signed a $35.6 million deal, which is, is he still a good amount, but for a probably a future Hall of Famer, 10 time or whatever all star, it's not the kind of money that he would have got in his, in his pomp, in his prime. And yeah, you are, if he, if he has lied, then obviously that is just, I mean, you can see why Harden is, is upset about it. And I mean, other people, other players have publicly came out and said other things previous about Darren Mori. I mean, Chris Paul called him a liar before we got traded to the Thunder from the Rockets. Kyrie, only the other day, um, tweeted at Woj, on, um, or X'd him, should I say. It's not Twitter anymore, is it? Um, I got a little beef with that as well, so before I forget about what I'm going on about, I'll, I'll tell you the beef publicly, um, listeners. <laughs> anyway, um, Kyrie Irving basically backed hard and up, saying that he's right to be disgruntled. Um, he's just, he's not getting what he was offered um, but yeah on the flip side of that just like you were saying Harden you had the league and assist last year but he's not a guy he's not like a if he goes to the Clippers he's their third best player he's not the best player on the 76ers he proven that during the playoffs last year he's unreliable so at the end of the day it's a bit of a you have to meet in the middle don't they definitely like, like we were saying compromise is is the way that this is going to get done and even in the shit marriages you need to compromise and this definitely is a shit marriage one 
out of convenience, shall we say, rather than necessity, this one. A square peg, definitely in a round hole. And I just think that California's not on the cards, mate. Not for the money that you want and not for the role that you're expecting. Because even, like you said, even if he goes to the Clippers, he's the third best player. You, you, Kawhi and PG are the, the pillars of that team and everything else is built around him. We can't bring you in who's going to half-arse it and might decide, you know what, in three months, it's not for me this anymore, which... Would you be surprised if, if he did that? You know what? I want to go to the Lakers. I, would, I, would you be surprised? Yeah, well, I was going to bring up the fact that obviously the move to the Clippers has been said that it's, it's off. The 76ers have said it's off and that's what sparked Harden coming out and being so strong uh, in what he said. Could you see him somewhere else? Um, because he, could he do a, a, almost a Kawhi to the Raptors kind of move where Raptors knew that he wasn't going to re-sign with them so that's not what he wanted to be in the long term but the Raptors got a nice deal and they won a championship out of it could you see another team going and getting him uh, I'm not sure who but yeah anyone who, who may be missing that one final piece to push him into um, from playoff contention to like championship contention uh, I'm not going to actually name a different team but do you think it's going that way do you think he's not going to end up with the Clippers but he is going to end up somewhere else yeah, you've, you've got the wheels turning there for me there because I, as soon as you said it, I was like, right, I need to think of a good example here because it's too good a question to not have an example. So I, I definitely think it's a possibility. Like you said, the example there in Kawhi is the perfect one because both teams benefited. He wanted to get out of San Antonio due to the bad relationship with Pop towards the end. Toronto won a title out of it. He showcased that he's still the man and then got a big money move. So I definitely would not be surprised. But... I don't know if this team, maybe they would, um, to be a, se- a stepping stone, maybe. The first team that I thought of was the Mavs. I was like, you know what? The the Mavs, if, if they could get him in, I, I do believe they could. Because you put him, Luca, and um, and Kyrie together, sorry, and that shows to Luca, right, we're trying to win now. And even if it's just for one year, you, you show us why, even if he leaves, we should invest in another superstar. So, yeah, straight away, the Mavs came to my attention. But also, the Lakers, if he is willing to do it, I think if you're asking who they're going to keep, D-Russ or take a punt on James Harden, sorry, D-Russ, get used to getting traded because it's going to happen again. Yeah, I, I think there's going to be a host of teams that are probably looking at this situation thinking, could he, could he help us? Could What could we offer? Um do you think Does he, he push it over the line? Do you, do you, I'll ask you that. Do, you, do you think that going forward, James Harden will have to take this definitely a financial step down, but do you think he'll also have to take a step down within the team and maybe like the hierarchy of the team? Maybe all the offense going through him? I think in I think if you look at the team that he's chosen that he wants to get traded to, the Clippers, then I think that would suggest that he's pretty happy being not the main guy because obviously if he goes there and there's a fully fit Paul George and Kawhi Leonard is quite clearly to me anyway the, the third best guy on that team and even behind him you've got a lot of good talent um, man who might get traded for him if that was to happen uh, but Russell Westbrook he's just come back as well so in terms of what we know about the destination Harden eventually wants to end up at I don't see why that would be a problem I think he's I don't know if he's happy he'd have to see what he says but um yeah, I think it all leads, it points towards that direction, definitely. And I think that will be the direction because he's not the player he once was. I mean, yeah, he, he had a good season last year, all in all. But 
like I said before, during the playoffs, he ultimately showed case that he can't do it. Um, he, he can't do it. And as we move on from Harden, we're going to talk about 76ers, and we are still doing our tier list. So we are, I'm going to put them in a tier list, but before I do that, Cook, I'm going to ask you how all this story, how does it affect that team? You kind of touched on it before, but how did it affect Joel Embiid as well? He was already, we've mentioned it on a previous pod, that he, he come out and said some unfavourable words that hinted towards him leaving 76ers uh, organisation, which may or may not happen, but this can only push him one way more than the other, can't it? Yeah, believe it or not, for the 76ers, this is a very big make-or-break. Almost precedent that they're about to set, really, because if they, if they compromise with Harden and say, you know what, we're, we're, just to get you out, we'll do this, that sets a bad precedent going forward for a Maxi or an Embiid if they get pissed off down the line and eventually want to say, you know what, I've had enough. I've tried. You've not backed us. I'm off. And it, And it just shows that there's a pathway to an exit if, if they bow down to Harden. So I think that they have to stay firm here and, and really be like, you know what, we're not bothered. We have to take a hit because long-term it'll benefit the franchise. Because again, would you be surprised, Jim, if I flip it around to you now, if they lose Harden, he, he gets to go wherever he wants, basically, but t- maybe t- ends up taking a step down. Do you think, would you be surprised, sorry, if Embiid was like, you know what, I've had enough. Or Maxi, I've, I've had enough. No, definitely. I mean, if there's if you're into that sort of thing, apparently he's removed Philadelphia um, location from his, his his Twitter profile. I mean, I don't know how much that means, but I, in terms of answering your question, I wouldn't be surprised if Embiid gets so disgruntled that he has to put in a trade request because if you look back on his career in the last three years of it, he's like, what, he's 30 now? How many years has he got left during his prime? He's, he's done really well to stay relatively healthy for the past three seasons. He's just coming off an NBA MVP season. And ultimately, the decisions that the front office in Philadelphia are making are impacting the way he's winning. Yeah, he's, he's, he's right to get his criticisms during the off-season because there were some games against Boston where he didn't show up. But at the same time, he's going into season after season with so many question marks around his team. And it's nothing to do with him. It was... It was Ben Simmons 18 months ago, two two years ago, sorry, and now it's hard and it's the same situation. You're just wasting so much time. I think that's what the, I think that's the leverage that Harden has because he has opted into this contract. It kind of fucks himself a little bit by doing it. But I think the leverage he has ultimately is that he knows that Daryl Morey can't keep on wasting prime MBD years. Otherwise, he's going to get sacked. Um, and at the minute, the way the where they're being ran, they are wasting Prime and Beat. He's just being uh, as dominant as he is for nothing because uh, I, I guess I'll get into where I rank him for next season. I would, this is a team that should be brink of contention or championship contenders um, with an MVP in it and a guy who's so big and so dominant and so good. But for me, they just got to go into playoff hopeful, uh, playoff contenders. They got to go right down there because. It's up in the air, isn't it? I mean, it, this could change depending on what they get back for Harden. But at the, at the, at the minute, they're Embiid and that's it. Uh, obviously, Tarek Maxi is a great talent as well. And maybe he'll make a massive step up depending on what happens with Harden. So it is, it is hard to assess them at this second without knowing what's going on with the Harden situation. But their stock is falling further and further down. And yeah, that will massively affect Embiid. And I... I I would be surprised if he's there in the next two years. 
Totally agree. I think that Embiid's a big baby anyway. You can say that his middle name's Troll or whatever, but he is a big baby. And there's times last year where for load management or whatever, he didn't play. And there was games where he did play and he was like, did, did he even play? Even obviously Jokic, prime example, and he is a freak of the game. But if you're not scoring, you need to affect the game positively in other ways. And there was so many times last year watching Philadelphia again, because they're on the East Coast, makes it a lot easier for us in the UK. I managed to watch so much of him last year and I was just so uninspired at times. Again, again, I, I think if he if he left, it's not a big deal long term. I think Max is the one that I, I really would want to build my franchise around with a realistic possibility that he wants to stay and wants to be here rather than Embiid being like, you know what, I might go, I might go. Because one day they'll be like, all right. <laughs> one day that it'll be again a relationship that slowly but surely gets knocked down a few pegs and it's not looking good. I really don't know where where they're going to end up and I, I think that there could be a, a, a lot of people come in and out of this job looking for the answer that won't find it. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. And I just finally, I think if you look back on the last 10 years or so of the Philadelphia 76ers, it's a hugely turbulent one. And I think at the minute, they're at the bottom of the roller coaster and they're all about to get off, to be honest. And they're going to look back at it and think, we've already seen the best team, the best 76ers side with Embiid in it. And they've already not won. And that was, for me, that was years ago. That was probably when they had Jimmy Butler. Ben Simmons was um, a rookie or in his second season. So, yeah, I can see him moving towards getting away from Embiid, and that's not his fault. I think that's the fault of the way the organisation has been run. So, yeah, that was the whole 76ers and Harden debacle. Before we move on to um, your next team in the Taylor's Cup, I've just remembered my beef with Elon Musk on Twitter. So apparently we can't use TweetDeck anymore unless we pay premiums. And TweetDeck is great because I can schedule all my shit. Yeah, I've tried to do it before. So fucking annoying, lad. <laughs> if you're not paying Musk, you can't use it. Honestly, oh, he's, one, he's one greedy bastard. Anything to get to space. Yeah, ridiculous. I just thought I'd put that out there in the, pub, the public domain. I'm like, these piss me off. Insta don't do that with our posts. There you go. So, cook. What Last. team have you got for us? I know you've got a team that's on a different trajectory and are a bit more exciting. Actually, I'm going to say a lot more exciting to watch than the Philadelphia 76ers. Who are they? <laughs> oh, mate. The stars of this pod, I think, because I think me and you are going to get into quite a meaty discussion about these boys and, and where they can finish. I'll save where they can finish right until the end, but I just want to be just a bit wax lyrical about them because I, I love everything about this team and it is the Sacramento Kings a team again I managed to watch so much last year and just pure talking about we mentioned the Wizards potentially coming up this year these were so much fun to watch last year and Mike Brown is such a progressive coach and to, to come from being Steve Kerr's like protege almost and coming back from that assistant uh, head coach role there at, at Golden State to then really make this team his own and get to the playoffs in the first time in 19 years for the Kings and the first time all the California teams made it to the playoffs in the same year. So, yeah, history-making Kings and they've retained everyone that they really wanted to or really are bothered about, really. No one has left them that they didn't want to. And I just think that signing people like Sabonis to a five-year deal is is just really good business. His numbers kind of go under the radar. I've got them here. He's averaging 19 points a game, 12 rebounds and seven assists. For for a centre, I think, again, speaking about affecting play when you're not scoring, he just shows that 
you can definitely do that. Darren Fox, Jim, I'll let you take it from here with him. Thoughts on that boy? The one word for him, Cook Electric. He's absolutely electric. He's just the pace of him, the power, the, the, the turn of pace as well with that. The quick step that he has. Um, I mean, Jetty joked in on his podcast, uh, I think it was last week or the week before, that um, there was two players that ended his career. Uh, I can't remember who he said put him on the bench, but he said De'Aaron Fox ended his career because the way he was, the absolute speed that he was running at him downhill was just like, yeah, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> and um, you've seen him do it like all last season. An absolute joy to watch the. The clutch player of the year uh, for good reason. When the fourth quarter bell chimes, Cook, he comes alive. And, I mean, I've got a lot of time for a fourth quarter player. I was a big fan of Isaiah Thomas at the Celtics. That was his quarter. And this is De'Aaron Fox's quarter. Um, yeah, a great player. And, I mean, coming back off last season's success and losing in the Game 7 against the Warriors, against a special Curry performance... That's ultimately what separated them going even further, and it? it was just one special Curry performance. And Curry's got all the experience of being in playoffs before and winning rings and MVPs and stuff like that. So they can learn from that, can't they, and improve even more next season. Definitely can improve from there. And the players that they've got and retained are only going to get better. And I know you like stats and figures and, and, and we just want to highlight people that maybe don't always get the flowers like Sabonis before, but Darren Fox averaging 25 a game in the West. I think that's particularly impressive for, for someone coming out of a massive year last year. They finished third again in the West. Only Denver and Memphis had better records than the Kings last year. And I just think they're a really exciting team to watch, lad. I really do. And, I'm I'm excited to watch the the development of the younger boys. I know that re-signing Harrison Barnes, I think, is particularly good business for them as well. Adds a lot of depth. The two-way players in the squad are two-way players, and they don't they actually get stuck in in Fox and Sabonis. I think that they do quite a lot on the defensive side as well as the offensive. So, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm convinced. And the category I'm going to put them in is playoff contention. I think that for them to build on last year is to replicate last year. And potentially go a little bit further because, like you said, it was a freak Curry game where they went out. And I genuinely think if they'd have played maybe any other team other than Denver, they, they would have beat them. Because, maybe maybe the Warriors on a different night. Yeah, to, to be honest with you, that series, I, I remember when we was doing our predictions before we even had the pod, I said to you, that as soon as it was announced, I was like, seven. Warriors in seven. I remember saying it because... I think I had the Kings in seven. Because I remember when we was doing it and we was like, it can literally go either way. And, and that's credit to him. We, we're putting the Sacramento Kings, again, a team that's not made the playoffs in 19 years, on par with four rings, Golden State Warriors, who are having a stinker of a season, coming off winning the title. So, yeah, credit where it's due. Playoff contention and light the beam, 100%. I, I'm in. I'm in on the Kings. Yeah, definitely. I'm just going to reiterate that. I, I do agree. One of the most exciting sides to watch. And I think the main, the, the power of that team and where, where the improvement's going to come from is just from continuity and just learning, gelling, just improving. Obviously, Mike Brown, he's not coached them for ages. But that was his first season, I think, off the top of my head. So that's him getting better. You've got the rookie, Keegan Murray, who played a lot of important playoff minutes last season. That's him getting better. Like you say, Darren Fox can do even more than 25 points a game, to be honest, he's that good. 
Um, Sabonis can get paid. He could have played better in the playoffs. I thought towards the end of it again, in that Warriors series, they've they've added they've not added loads, but they have added the reigning Euro League MVP from Olympiacos as well, um, Bezenkov. Um, so we wonder to see how, how much of an impact he makes because there's been some good players coming from the Euro League now. They're not sleeping on that anymore, so that could be a smart little pickup. So I just think in terms of they've not added loads of players, but they're all just going to get better together the longer they play together. And like you say, third in the West last year, which is incredible. And I don't even think they had a really good defence, to be honest. I think that's what lets them down. So if they can improve on that side of the ball, then they could be even higher than playoff contenders. Definitely. And if, if there's teams that have a, a, well, they kind of fall asleep at the wheel like last year when, with like Golden State, and you could even say the Lakers really until the trade deadline, they really fell asleep at the wheel. But Sacramento, consistency is their friend in this case because if teams do that again, they, they could even potentially finish second with, again, M- Memphis finish just above them. No jar for basically half the season. It's definitely possible and all the familiar faces are there and I'm a huge fan of the team and I'm very excited. And the opening game is Golden State at home, which is very poetic given that they did dump them out of the playoffs and it's Mike Brown's old stomping ground. So I found out today it's on national TV when I was doing my uh, my research. So definitely be getting the pass for that one, Jim. There you go. We can't wait to watch some live basketball. And going on to the further, third and last team of this podcast to go into the NBA tier list, I am going to talk about... The Charlotte Hornets, um, amidst a sale that is pending, the Michael Jordan era of the Charlotte Hornets is coming to an end. Um, not been a particularly successful reign, I would say. There's a losing record. It was one of the worst teams in the NBA record-wise over that period. Um, in fairness to MJ, he's made absolute bank off the investment that he put in towards the organisation. He has made money. That man, he knows how to win titles and score points, but he also knows how to make money, baby. (laughs) And he's doing more of that. Um, Yeah, a lot of different stuff going on in the Hornets. I think if you look back on the the Jordan era, I'll call it, it, they've just drafted horribly. Um, A lot of like second picks where they've not won the draft lottery and then they kind of fumbled the pick. I think... What's going to happen for this season, going to the 23-24 season, is going to lie a lot on whether they picked right. Cook, we spoke about it um, pre, pre the draft. They had it was the number two pick. They had Scoot Henderson right there. Everyone knew Wemby was going to the Spurs. Scoot was dubbed the better talent. Um, we've seen him in what eighteen minutes or so he played in the summer league. That he looked incredible. Do you think that this season does lie on whether Brandon Miller can be that guy coming straight away and prove why he's the second pick? Or will we be looking at it potentially, looking at how good scooters in Portland and going, shall have done it again, they've picked wrong? To be honest with you, I, I think that you're right in both cases there. I think that it'll be deja vu. I think the pick was wrong. I believe you said it on the pod and I reiterated and piggybacked off your comment and said that I agree in you always draft the best players regardless if they're supposed to be that good you can build a system around them and I believe that Charlotte have fumbled the bag again because Scoot was there MJ was there as well so you're like okay maybe that's enough pull to get him there you've got Lamelo Ball who had a very good season regardless of him getting that mad injury towards the end 
but he was the only thing that we're getting the very few people to watch Charlotte watching them. And I think Scoot could have definitely added more eyes on the product. It could have added a younger audience again with, with Mello from a marketing standpoint. And I think that with those two people, you've got two young, hungry guys that even if you get two years out of them as a duo, tradable down the line, they're both very nice pieces to what you can get into return. So I think they fumbled the bag again. I think Scoot will do excellent in Portland. And I think it's a lot of pressure on the young lad for year one to come into this organization where Lamella will get injured at times and he will be on the court on his own with not a load of bums, but people that just are at the level for a number two draft prospect. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do agree. And it's not a slight, it's not a criticism of Brandon Miller who does look like a great prospect himself. And it's not, I'm not judging this too early. We're just going off what the Hornets have done in the past. And then the reason I said that, I think they should have drafted Scoot is because I think you should always draft the best players for one regardless of position. I think what they've done is they've worried about Ball and um, Scoot together because they both play similar roles. But I just think just pick your best two players. I think learn from learn from the 2020 draft where Lamelo actually was drafted when the Warriors didn't need a backcourt player because obviously they have one of the best backcourts in NBA history in Clay and Steph. So they go and pick a big man in James Wiseman. And look at his career, he spent half of it injured in the G League, he's now been shipped off to Detroit, and the pick after him was Lamella Ball. Um, the, 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 the same the same draft was Tyrese Halliburton. Both players got huge max extensions this season. So it just shows that, I think if you look at that, just draft the best players and you'll make it work somehow, because now they've had to go and get Chris Paul. Um, I know we're not going to talk about the Warriors, but... If they had Lamella Ball, they wouldn't be doing. They wouldn't messing around with Jordan Poole and Chris Paul. I don't know this situation. Anyway, in terms of the Charlotte Hornets, I've got to put them in tank city, um, and I don't think they will time because they're trying to rebuild. It's a new era for them. It's the new owners. Lamella had a, he has got coming off the back of a big contract extension. Like I just said, the, he come off a really poor season in terms of injuries. His ankle kept him out for a lot of it. Miles Bridges was suspended after some of the stuff he did off court. I'm not going to go too much into that. He will be not playing for the first 10 games, I believe, of the season. So it is a new area. Obviously, Miller, again, a new player. So I think you've got to look at it, if you're a Charlotte fan, positively and think, right, we're just going to start again. Everything from scratch. Lamelo's playing with this pressure on him now, but you can handle it and listen, like... Cook, I know how much you like the Miller ball, but I'm watching him play. He's so exciting. So just get behind that and kind of watch him do his thing. You don't have a choice. Literally, you don't have a choice. You've you've fumbled the bag yet again. So you've just got to let the kid do what he wants. And it's not even like they've got a, a pop in there, for example, a Greg Popovich, where it'll keep him in check, but also let him be free to an extent. There's not a coach there that I think can, that can challenge him long term and I think that him and Scoot was the the only shining combination that they could have had to really get them, not to the brink of contention for a playoff position, but to at least get them better than last year because I, I don't think that realistically improving for the Hornets is to get a playoff position. I think realistically improving is just to finish better than what you did last year and it's definitely baby steps with that organisation. But yeah, it's such a shame that Lamelo was there. I'd love to see him literally anywhere else. Yeah, or, or if he makes his team his own, I just hope he stays injury-free. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a clean slate for him. When you look at the players that are signed long-term, it's like Lamella and like one other guy. So, 
the jury's out on everyone else. So hopefully Lamelo, they can start to add long-term pieces next to Lamelo, figure them out. Hopefully Brandon Miller's one of them, and the rebuild can start. I've got to put him in Tank City because I just don't think the rebuild has even started. I think we're at brick number one, <laughs> to be honest. But yeah, um, either way, there are some exciting moments for the Hornets, and Lamelo is he's reason enough to watch them at, at, at times. But yeah, we're just going to move on very quickly before we wrap run out of time for this podcast a little buzzer beater section cook just because we spoke last week or the week before i believe it was um i can't remember about how good a potential backcourt shea gilligas alexander and jamal murray would be together for the canada uh, world cup side well now we'll, we won't know because jamal murray has pulled out due to uh, needing more time to recover and rehab following a, a grueling championship winning season obviously just coming off the big acl injury i just want to get your thoughts on some of the big stars that have dropped out of the FIBA World Cup already. Obviously, he joins Nikola Jokic, which is good news for Denver Nuggets fans, but not good news for FIBA World Cup basketball fans. Giannis and Wemby, two big other European names that have dropped out as well. Do you think this hurts and hinders the competition? There's not too many All-Stars now left in that one. I, th- I think it does because it, it's almost the, the false hope of Oh, we're going to get to see these, and like we like we spoke about that backcourt would be absolutely outrageous. But it just seems like big stars are bowing out, and I almost think that in the case of Murray, I'm almost like, can you apply common sense? Did you not think that it was maybe going to be a little bit too much for you coming back off this injury and giving as far as you got? And yeah, it's just a shame for the people that don't get to see him that often. Really, that's the only thing I, c- I could really say of it. Really, that they don't get to see these superstars and it is worrying that they're pulling out, especially having been in the camps at first with a Murray that's, again, I I don't really like that he's just decided that now, you know what, I don't fancy it unless he's felt something and then he's just as a precaution left the camp, I don't know, but yeah, it's a shame, that's that's the main thing coming out of it, it's a shame really. Yeah, from from reading into it, I think he he has tried to play there, he's committed himself to playing there and trying to play in the Olympics and play there for three summers, but he got into the camp and he just became clear to him that he just couldn't do it, which, I mean, if if, that, if, if that's fair enough, because he has missed the entire NBA season, obviously he, the championship was never guaranteed with Jokic there and he did amazingly well to win it. And it was a hard time for him. Obviously, it's been well documented how hard at the time he found out, he thought he was going to get traded by Mike Malone and stories like that. So, yeah, maybe he's made the right decision. We'll, we'll yet to see, but... It is a huge shame for people who's going to watch this World Cup and it's a huge shame for Canada as well because they're a good young side and the Shea's coming off an incredible season. Jamal's coming off an incredible postseason particularly. Um, they're going to probably look to, towards RJ Barrett a bit more in the backcourt now. Um, Alexander Walker is a good talent for the Timberwolves too. It's, it's, it's a good young side that probably could have done something but with, without Jamal, it's hard to see him getting past the Team USA now, I think. Yeah, I think so as well. I think it's a bridge too far and you can pardon the pun uh, for that one. But I, I just think that it's it's a shame. That's the only thing I can really take from it. It is a shame. And the only thing I would say about, about Murray personally, no one knows your body better than you. And if if he's thinking, you know what, I've, I've actually made the effort to come here, I've made the effort to be around the boys and put myself through this. And, and now I'm thinking, you know what, it's probably not the best for my body and going going forward I really don't want to knacker myself out before I'm going to try and defend my title so yeah shame I would say is the 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 main thing coming out of it but 
at the same time, if that means I'm going to see a healthy Jamal Murray ball out for more games in the NBA, then selfishly, I'm okay with it. <laughs> there you go. You got always got to take the positives. <laughs> Um, but there's not many positives in what I'm going to say next because the podcast has run out of time. We are all but done this week, I'm afraid. Do you want me to give my uh, my recommendations of the week, my pod recommendation of the week? Yes, yes, I'd love to hear that. Yeah, so if you've got a bit of spare time, Austin Reeves actually jumps on the Full Send podcast with Steiny from the Nelk Boys, if anyone's familiar. So yeah, definitely go and check it out. And he says that, the um, the Grizzlies taught the most shit in the NBA and he loved beating them. So if that's not enough to get you in, then I don't know what it is. <laughs> there you go. Austin is feeling himself. I love it when he is. <laughs> um, yeah, but like we say, at the end of this podcast, um, that's all we've got time for. And if you want to follow us on the social medias, we are on X at Spilling the Free with the number free. We are on Twitter at Spilling the Free with the letters free. Um, we are in all your usual places, Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcast. We urge that you set them to auto-download. Saves you time, saves you data, saves us time. Give us a little five-star review, a nice little comment if you can be asked to do that as well. Doesn't take too much time out of your day, but helps us massively. Yeah. And that has been the end of this podcast, so we'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>